Hello and welcome to this episode of the Big Hearted Podcast where you Catherine Jackson. So Catherine Jackson is a passionate and inspiring early childhood teacher. She currently works in family daycare is at uni and also works at Gecko, which is one of the environmental centres down here on the Gold Coast. So Kat advocates for natural environments with a zest for getting children out amongst it as much as possible. She has many professional hats, all of which have the underlying theme of environmental education. A teacher within the Australian school system and finding too much time indoors led her to become a nature-based childcare provider in the Gold Coast hinterland. That role, paired with being an environmental educator for Gecko Environment Council, has her very busy collaborating and curating outdoor programs with the very best creative outdoor educators on the Gold Coast. So Gecko provides outdoor environmental education designed to develop children's curiosity and passion for protecting the biodiverse world in which they live in. So this conversation covered a whole gamut of topics including screen time, technology, you know, the times that children are in in terms of facing COVID and the difference that we're finding in children being born through the whole COVID pandemic. It was super, super interesting. And as I said, it was a a varied array of discussion that we had. So without further ado, let's get into it. And I'll introduce you to our wonderful Kat Jackson. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. My name is Victoria Edmund, and I am your host. Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart-centred educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia, and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here on the Big Hearted Podcast. Good afternoon or good morning, depending on when you're listening to this. Welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. Today, my guest on this episode is Kat Jackson. So I've known Kat for a little while now. Personally, she is an educator with Rainbow Bridge Family Daycare. She also lives about 500 metres down the road from me, and she worked within my home for a little while. So I've known Kat quite personably for a while now, and I am just in love with the work that Kat does. She's a qualified teacher, so she was working in childcare before she came into family daycare. So without further ado, I'll let Kat introduce herself to you so that you can get a better understanding of who we're actually talking with today. Cool. Thank you for that lovely intro, Victoria. So I'm Kat Jackson. I have many hats that I wear. One, being a mother. Two, being a partner, three, being a family daycare operator currently, and four, I'm also involved with a not-for-profit called Gecko Environment Council based on the Gold Coast, which is a company that's a huge advocate for environmental rights and also environmental education. So I'm a busy little bee. Oh, and I'm at uni. 
I don't know how you do it. I really don't. Kat's got little children too. So she's super, super busy, but super organized and probably one of the most laid back people that I know, actually. So what I wanted to talk to you about today, Kat, was you've got several passions, one of them being the environment, another one being like sustainability. And it's not just sustainability within the environment. It's about like what I would call personal sustainability. So you have a mad passion for children being out in nature. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and how you bring that into your services? Sure. So, I mean, when it comes to sustainability, I'm across all of the pillars. There's the economic, the social, and obviously the environmental, which is where predominantly that's the space that I work in. Thinking about social sustainability as well, that's something that's kind of coming to the forefront of my mind at the moment. But just coming back to social skills with kids, this whole pandemic has kind of changed the way I think that children have interacted with each other. There's a huge addiction going on with screens in general, not just children, but adults as well. So, you know, you've got your screens, your phones, your computers, your smartwatch, your binge watching TV, it's all of them. And it's just kind of become the norm, isolated, weird kind of funky world that we're in at the moment that a lot of kids I think are missing out on going out and connecting with nature and just having that freedom to have outdoor play. I think it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, my children are teenagers and in their 20s now, so the pandemic hit them differently. My son's at uni and he spent so much time in his room doing lectures on his computer and he would come out completely drained, like so brain dead. I know I turned into a bit of a zombie as well there for a while. And being that it's really flat and one-dimensional, I think our bodies process all of that really, really differently. And the neurons are not connecting the same way that they do, especially for developing minds, the same kind of Like you said, with the 1D, being out in a 3D world and connecting physically with all of those senses with other people is part of that growing development that's required for a healthy child. And it's it's lacking. It really is. Yeah, Yeah. I totally get that. Like I really understand. I'm very concerned for, you know, what's to come in the next few years for us as educators, but for teachers as these children start coming into daycare services. Victoria, you know, we call them COVID babies. These these children that have been born during the age of COVID, whenever it started, 2020, early 2020. So these kids are nearly two years old now and they've grown up in an environment where they're, at home and the parents feel they're doing the right thing, keeping them safe, keeping them close. And that's what we've been told that we have to do, but they're not exposed to other people. They're not exposed to other types of humans that aren't in the household. And not only that, when they're out and about, they've got this view of people, which is really, it's really having some challenges for the development, I believe. The mask wearing, I really was very uncomfortable for that within early childhood settings for a number of reasons. One, that children seem to breeze through COVID. The children that have unfortunately succumbed to COVID have had other comorbidities, you know, cancer and things like that, which has played a significant role in how the COVID has affected them. But your general normal healthy child Some of them weren't even displaying symptoms and yet when they've had a test, they've got antibodies. So they've already had the illness. So for me, it was counterproductive and I really am concerned because there's so much emotional 
facial reading that children do and learn as part of how to interact the world when you can only see half of a person's face you can't see their mouth you can't see their nose all you're seeing is their eyes I really wonder and I'm by no means qualified to talk about it but I really think there should be some research done in that field around the impact that that's had on children and what we as educators need to make sure we do for these children moving forward to ensure that they aren't behind the emotional quotient, the emotional intelligence of Mm -hmm. being able to communicate and connect with people. They're getting it at home, but, again, when they're at home and they're not out in the world, they're really not having the opportunity to have that sensory processing. Sensory, correct. It's sensory. And, you know, much of what happens on the Green is like a simulation of what the brain should be going through. It's, it's impoverished. It's not real. It's yes. not reality. Yeah. It comes with background music and special yeah. lighting and everyone's perfect and yeah. everything's scripted or it's a cartoon dog that's talking. Like what is the reality of these children going to be moving forward when they are teenagers and young adults? Well, Victoria, there's certainly a time and place and technology is super crucial to the way that we operate now in in this time. But children really need to have chances to have offline experiences and and just let the mind wander, you know, have that curiosity and that that boredom as well. Even just boredom is something that's so important for developing minds because that's where the creativity comes from. Like what, yeah. what I know, I listened to a podcast the other week about these guys who were talking about ethical, like ethical use of technology and social media and apps and that sort of thing. And it was so interesting because they were talking about how people's attention spans, part of being an ethical business, and this is where TikTok has come a long way, because when you look at Instagram, the videos are a minute long. So what they're saying is the result of all of these short, sharp interactions that people are having, it's reducing people's attention Well, there was another one. I don't think it's here anymore. What was that? That was one that the videos went for six or seven seconds. I can't remember what that app called. It's gone now. Not Snapchat. I don't know. It was literally just videos, six seconds. Someone listening will know it and they'll remember it quick. (laughs) These guys were talking about the importance and part of being an ethical company is that they have to realise that that's the impact that their product is having on their consumers and that's not a good thing, a short attention span. So when children get out in nature, and you and I have both seen it, they can spend 20 minutes looking at the trunk of a tree. I remember this story. I remember this story of this boy would go outside, don't even remember who told it to me, don't even remember where it's from, it's coming to me right now because it's applicable. This boy would go outside and he would stand and look at this tree and his teachers thought he was strange because this boy would just stand there and stare at this tree for 20 minutes not moving, not interacting, not doing anything, just staring at this tree. And the teachers were kind of like, Jimmy Blow doing over there. Like, <laughs> that's a bit. Weird. But he did this for days and days. 
And what surprised me was it took days for the teachers to go and check in to see what he was actually doing, right, because he wasn't disturbing anybody. He wasn't interacting with anybody else. He was just doing his own thing, so they left him. So when they finally went over to see what he was doing, they could see there was a colony of ants. So there were these ants that were taking things from the ground up into the tree, depositing them in the tree. The next day when they came back and investigated with him, they were using a different route. He was checking why they're using a different route because there was something stuck in the way so they had to go around and then they went up a different way. Like he had spent days just, it was like he was watching a telly. Authentic learning experience about how nature works. That's perfect. And that's what we need to see more of. Yes, yes. See, he was allowed to have the space because the teachers thought he was doing something weird and didn't interrupt him. They knew something was going on, but they didn't investigate. But when they did, they were involved in it too and engaged in it too. They could understand the process that he was going through. But it also meant that he had this undisturbed time where he was able to go where he wanted to go in his brain, do whatever he wanted to discuss with himself what was happening. And so then he was able to tell the teachers all these things that he was doing there. So I think we have a real responsibility as educators to ensure that the children in our care have these opportunities to get out and experience things undisturbed. I agree. And part of being an educator, I think, is about providing that time and that space for them to have that freedom to go out there and just get lost in themselves, get lost in nature, get lost in the environment, because you need to really have that connection and an understanding and a love for the environment to be able to grow up as an adult and want to be a custodian of the land. If you don't spend any time in nature, what makes you think that you're going to want to save the planet when you're bigger? You know, you look at all this climate action stuff now. I mean, this is a bit of a juxtaposition when you're saying technology is really playing some devastating roles in the youth today but then you've got these climate action movements as well which is the it's the young people rising up and going this isn't right this isn't right so you know we do have an opportunity as educators we've got these children while they're so young and so just beautiful little sponges to just help them develop that narrative that will help them just have a really honest authentic connection to the land that they live on that's that's our role I think. 100%. There's some massive bodies of research now that say when educators take the children out of doors, Mm -hmm. when they go outside and they engage in the natural environment, behaviour management becomes almost obsolete because the children get to move their whole body. They get to really connect into... They're managing themselves when they get provided that opportunity rather than sit in your chair, sit in a circle on the mat, sit 1.5 metres from your best friend on the floor, you know. (laughs) They they need that. They need that, those risky kind of outdoor exciting things to happen so that they can learn to manage their own behaviours. We shouldn't be telling them what to do all the time. That's not our role. No. So what are the sorts of things that you do within your service or with the work that you do with Gecko with children to assist and facilitate this process? Well, today, funny you should ask, as you would know, living down the road, we just had a mega 
mega thunderstorm come through, didn't we? I thought we wouldn't be able to do this because I thought we were going to lose power. It was like, oh, geez. It was, was in it. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon and dark as night. It was really, yeah, yeah. It was, but it was so cool. And so, you know, it was after the little one's rest time. And so we opened up all the curtains and we just watched. We just looked out the window. We looked at the heavy rain coming. The lightning was insane. You know, there were definitely, there's trees. I think that might be on fire around here now from some of these lightning strikes. They're that close. And the kids, they weren't scared, you know. So I've got my daughter who's nearly three and then I've got some other ones who are under two years old. So they're quite young. And often at that age they get quite scared of thunderstorms, but we just turn it into like a cool, exciting, like, wow, did you hear that? Whoa, that was close. And just watching these flashes and stuff. So it was kind of like a nature's disco sort of thing. It was really cool. That's just today. But there's so many things. I mean, we'll go outside and we'll we'll balance along logs or we'll be jumping over things or looking at the different shapes of leaves or, you know, we'll yeah. get a rug and we'll just lie down and look up at the sky and talk about the clouds or the leaves that are falling or you know, there's so many, it's limitless. It really is. Sometimes you don't have to do anything. You might just give a little bit of a guide, like we're going to go out and look for a flower. And then two hours later, they're still chasing butterflies or whatever it is they want to do. But in saying that, we're really lucky where we have a really nice space here, being in the hinterland on the Gold Coast, that, you know, it's it's pretty easy to connect with nature. It is, it really is. Yeah, and in saying that too, it's fairly easy to bring nature into your yard as well. Add some seeds, do some gardening, get yeah. your hands dirty, you know, bring some yes. sand from the beach, mix it with some water, mix it with dirt. Mud kitchens are the best. I absolutely love mud kitchens and potion making and, you know, that creativity and cool joyous, you know, joy joyfulness that comes from the children with yeah. that, turning you yeah, into a amazing. frog. I'm the same because obviously when I ran my daycare here, I've got the big trees around me and there's the park down the road we used to walk down. That was a mission, carrying the baby on the front and the toddler that didn't want to walk up the hill on the back. And (laughs) it was an exercise, let me tell you. But we had such a great time. There is nothing in that park. There is not a swing, not a slide, not a man-made thing in rolling big rocks. And the kids would find vines to swing on and, you know, they'd be rolling down the hill. That's the thing as well, the vines, you know. How do they know if the vine's going to hold them? They need to test it. Same with climbing trees. How do they know if they can climb a tree? I know you've got the same rules that I do, that if you can't get yourself up there on your own, you ain't climbing it. I am not going to physically put you up there. And you know that thing about how if the tree branch is skinnier than your arm, then it won't hold you? We need to teach kids these things so that they can go out and be active agents of their own development and their gross motor skills. Otherwise, they're not going to know. I climbed so many trees growing up. I grew up in the Northern Territory and we had a giant mango tree. And I remember me and my sister and my neighbour, who was a couple of years older than us, he would bring over these random things from his parents' house, like an old car seat and just yeah. weird stuff. And we would hoist all of this stuff up into the mango tree yes. and we made this, like, three-level treehouse, getting bitten by green ants every day. Like, he fell out once and, 
you know that dynamic risk assessment and we have to teach the children how to do that yes and then once we just set those ground rules and they can be fairly simple like three anchor points onto a tree at all times if you're climbing and the rule of thumb if the branch is as wide as your arm then it's good to go because we have to also teach the children to respect if they're coming along winging on stuff and they're breaking branches and all the rest of it that's not okay either so yeah it was definitely those opportunities for dynamic risk assessment and we have to instill this in children right now because these are skills that they take for the rest of their lives if they can't you know determine oh all that feeling when they're in a tree and oh dear I've gone too high it's better for them to learn it now when they're children on the wheel of a car if they're become like a young teenager or older teenager ideally who drinks alcohol and makes really silly decisions you know there's a lot of that sensibility that's really missing I mean even without the alcohol you know that's not relevant that's not what we're talking about but being able to be accountable and know your limits and trust yourself knowing your limits and also being able to discern when somebody else is not using their limits well yeah. You know, and being able to say, oh, that's not really safe behaviour. Yeah. And what do I do? We have to teach the children what to do in that scenario. Absolutely. You know, do, do I go and seek help or do I try and talk to that person? And always it's about communication. Where does that communication need to be directed? But these are all things that we can be teaching children while we're outside in nature with them. Absolutely. And they are so beneficial for yeah. life skills. Conversation, even the art of conversation. <laughs> I get that when children are hooked into a device. You really don't. You don't. What yeah. did you do? Nothing. Don't remember. I didn't learn anything today. And that's, yeah. that's partially because they, you know, they've had big days and their brains are just starting to go, I'm just going to go to mush right now because I don't have to be on you know, and my kids always came home and had to do a poo. That's <laughs> the first thing that was it. You know, it was like yep. offloading every single night without fail. You always want yeah. a snack. What do yep. you want? A snack. Yeah. Something, Something yummy. Have an apple, have a banana. No, I don't want that. Obviously not that hungry. The other role that I have with the environmental education That's been so much fun. So we've created a new program there called Cultivating Curiosity. And Uh that one is about trying to instill, you know, the joy of curiosity. So there's five dimensions of curiosity. There's joyous exploration, a need to know, you know, watching something to try and find out why it is doing whatever it's doing. There's social curiosity as well about getting to know the people around you, accepting the anxiety. That's a type of curiosity as well. When you have a bit of fear about something and learning to know that, it's okay to have a bit of fear and you can find ways to manage that and overcome it and then develop and grow as a person. And then there's the, my favourite, the thrill-seeking curiosity. That's Ooh. the one, you know, like jumping on a rope and swinging over a creek or something, you know, it's going to hold me. I don't know. I held the other person and they were a little bit bigger than me, so it should be okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also important, and I know that some children miss out on that. It used to be inherent in childhood, mm-hmm. but now mm-hmm. there's this real thing about being safe and this real risk aversion yes. that happens 
in society, basically. I mean, everything's got softfall underneath it now and everything's risk managed to within an inch of its life. There's not real opportunity anymore for you to stack it and put yourself get a really valuable lesson today I still have scars on my knees from like just banging it down the hill in, on a bike in the rain in monsoon season in Darwin and just bottoming out and now I know not to ride downhill fast in the rain the rain you know? no <laughs> we used to do that as well we used to ride through this thing rapid creek it was called and we would it was a shortcut on the way home and it was so much fun. It was super yeah. risky. We were always okay. Heaps of all the kids were doing it, you know, yeah. and when a cyclone would come or something and the waters would rise up and, yeah, it was it was gnarly. It was good fun, good memory. Yeah. I mean, I grew up here and we used to go rock hopping after the rains and stuff like that and, and chasing the waterfalls and, and all that stuff. I don't really see kids it. doing so bad anymore. Not enough. Another couple of programs that we've got going on at Gecko, Rewildling Adventures. So they're three-day programs. Yeah, yep. over the school holidays, just going out there. Got the same kids for each three days. So you're making new friends. So you're developing your social curiosity yep. as you're learning yep. about new friends. They're doing things like archery and learning how to start a fire and going swimming and all kinds of cool adventures. It's really yep. cool. And Doing a school holiday program with someone like Gecko or whoever is in your area is a real, as a parent, is a really safe way to give your children the space to be able to go and have these kind of experiences with people who are trained, with people who are experienced and with people who care, you know. So I think it's really nice that there are people out there providing this. If you're unable to do it yourself, if you live in a complex or you don't know your neighbours or there's so many reasons. We've just moved to an area it's a nice way for your child to get out there and just get dirty. Get- it's interesting because quite often parents will, there's, you know, we've had the lawn, the helicopter parents, well, there's lawn parents now who remove every obstacle from in front of the children so that yes. their children experience disappointment. And the difference with your parents or being with your own children to an educator being with your children is your educator isn't emotionally attached to their experiences so an educator is more likely to allow a child to experience these feelings of disappointment and frustration and blah 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 because we know the value of children having the full gamut of emotional experience absolutely it's not that when we say you know they an educator will allow them to feel disappointment it's not that we're just going to sit there and let them cry and be upset it's that we don't pushing them from that process. So if it is in an experience where they have to be brave to hold on to the rope to swing across the clearing, if they can't get that courage up within them, sure as anything, when everybody else has had their turn and they've decided they're not going to do it and it all gets packed away, they're going to feel disappointed. Regret. and Regret. Regret, disappointment, sadness, and an educator will help them process those emotions and those feelings but it's a valuable lesson and this is getting and asking them to push themselves is so vitally important now absolutely yeah you make such a good point there isn't that investment that that personal relationship that's a really lovely point it's really different with your own children I would get frustrated so frustrated easy to switch off you're not switch off but to kind of 
yeah, you're not emotionally attached. You really, yeah. yeah. I had so much more patience for everybody else's children. <laughs> I could ask the child three yeah. times to do something in my daycare. I expect my children to do it after the first time. Yeah. Like, And this is the value of being with, you know, putting your children in care with other people. And it's got to be the right people, though. They've got to be people that have the same values. That's crucial. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's oh, it's just so good for the children's development, I think, to be just being around different people. You know, like we we're saying yes. at the start of this podcast about how these COVID babies, you know, just the, the same people all the time. They're not getting that sort of fruit salad of life that they deserve. <laughs> so important, though, because we have to, that's resilience. Manage yourself and contain yourself and hold yourself when you're in a situation where there's people you don't know how to read. And this is why it's important for babies to and children to have access to other people other than mum and yeah. dad. Like we just be in a community. Combining those brand new relationships that they'll be developing with the accessibility of the natural environment, I mean, it's win-win. You get yeah. to connect with people and you're getting to connect with nature. And, I mean, people fundamentally are nature. You know, we are all one symbiotic, biodiverse, crazy mixed up world. We should be out there amongst it, not just stuck on the screen all the time. (laughs) Totally agree. Look, as an educator who works with children, I used to, you know, for me, I always had a better day when I spent more time outside, when we were outside rather than being inside you don't have to room you don't have to clean up all the toys off the floor you know you can leave the trees and sticks and stuff where they lay hands off kids let's go (laughs) yeah there's less programming there's less arguments to separate there's less it's so healthy the vitamin c the fresh air you know, vitamin C, if you're by the ocean, actually, that's what I meant. But it's true. We need the vitamin D. And we know that that is like a, a huge part of your health your system. You need yep. vitamin D. There was a study that they'd done over in Finland. And when I say they, it's the people who did it because I can't remember who <laughs> did it. And they rewilded the playgrounds within a daycare centre. So prior, it had all concrete and softball matting and blah, blah, blah. Mm. It was very, yeah, it was quite yeah. sterile. Yeah. So what they did was they rewilded it and yep. they had grass and dirt and rocks and plants and all these things and they encouraged all these bugs and like this whole community like nature community started coming back into the kindy and it wasn't very long they started to notice that children's health had improved so they were doing tests their gut health improved phenomenally and within a short period of time all the markers had improved all those markers were they were hitting and the absences from childcare were less because the children's health was so much better yeah Getting the children outdoors and active and all that sort of stuff and just sitting on the ground and eating grass and, you know, the gardening and getting dirt under their fingernails, washing their hands, but still that's going in them. Mm -hmm. It's it's beneficial. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So we need more of that here. I mean, there's a fair bit of it on the Gold Coast. I mean, I can't speak for other places. I mean, I've certainly, in saying that, I've certainly seen some quite sterile 
childcare centres and schools on the coast. But I think there is a bit of a shift that's happening. People are starting to really recognise the benefits of that outdoor education, that nature play, that integration with the environment. Yeah, and, and that leaving the children to it. I think the mm-hmm. pendulum really swung like years ago. Like when I was a kid, there was no programming, there was nothing. We were just babysat in a large group scenario, playing and finger painting crafts and all that sort of stuff. Then it swung too far in the opposite direction, where we yeah. had to meet this requirement, that regulation. We have to risk manage everything. You know, a child hurt themselves. We can never let that happen again. And everything became plastic fantastic. And risk management for a Band-Aid, I mean, risk assessment for, yeah. for giving a kid a Band-Aid because they had a blister from running with sneakers or, you know. Oh, come on. It's crazy, <laughs> crazy. So I think it's starting to come back this way now. People are seeing the value in, you know, natural resources and being able to make your own toys and things like that. Like we teach a lot of that within our service. Yes. A lot of handcrafts and, you know, all those sorts of things. And we encourage that because they're skills that you pass on to the children, you know. When you're not in front of a screen, you have a time to do these things. Deeply engaging and rewarding because they actually get to finish something. Yeah. Craft is something, handcraft, particularly sewing type crafts and felt and things like that, are things that can be picked up and put down and picked up and put down and picked up and put down you know and some children you had one of my children that I'd had from 10 months of age so she was less than 18 months and was sewing you know and so that skill set has been with her so she may drop that in her teen years but she'll come back to it at some point and be like they get to share that beautiful craft together beautiful bonding thing to do yeah it's amazing and that's that connection and it's so important and that we have to value that so important (laughs) so it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you Kat if people want to get in touch with you how can they do that well I can be reached through Gecko's website it's just gecko.org.au that's where there's a list of all of our programs and then my little family daycares Floresta. It means forest in Portuguese. My partner's forest. It's Floresta FTC family. Beautiful things on there. You have a gardening club where you have yeah. so cool. And you do these beautiful full moon tea ceremonies. Yeah. Oh, I haven't so done beautiful. one for a little while. Yeah, full moon and new moon tea ceremonies where we, we get these beautiful teas made from a local lady. Utopia, yeah, Bo. Utopia is where they come from. Bo Wong, yeah. We sit around and we talk about what we're grateful for, and it's just super cute to hear their answers. You know, there is one boy who's really grateful for farts all the time, every time. <laughs> that's his standard go-to answer. But that's cool. Then we talk about healthy bowel movements. You know, <laughs> cool. Some people don't have that, so that's okay. <laughs> but it's very that's cute. So funny. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Kat. And I'm sure oh, when, you finish uni, when you finish uni, I'm going to get you back on again and we're going to delve right into sustainability and yeah. how that will look for early childhood education. Yeah, all this climate stuff. Yeah, we'll get into some childhood politics. And... Yes, that would be amazing because you know yeah. I don't like to shy away from that stuff. Yeah, Let's I'll get be in like... there. Teaching my kids whether they want to vote Labor, Liberal, Greens, One Nation, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's all on the table at the moment. Who knows? Oh, dear. Who knows? Yeah, they're, free right. to, they're free to choose who they like, though. It's up to them. I won't tell them to who to vote for. 
definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kat. Well, thank you so much. And we will leave it there for today. And um, look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Victoria. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hi, friend. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our individual selves and our professional selves as well. We love feedback. So if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast, we would love to read your thoughts. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps our podcast to get out to the wider community. And the more that hear what we have to share, we think the better it is. Thanks so much, friend. We'll see you next time. Till then, big love.